We're so thankful to tenofthose.com and Kaleidoscope Kids Bibles for sponsoring this season. Kaleidoscope work hard to make the Bible accessible to elementary and primary age children. One of the ways they do that is with their Kaleidoscope Corner that happens frequently in every book. So in every book, there are helpful chunks of explanation about the context or the genre or anything else that's needed to help children grasp that book of the Bible for themselves. Grab your Kaleidoscope books at tenofthose.com. Welcome to Two Sisters and a Cup of Tea. My name's Felicity and I'm in the States and I'm here with my sister Sarah. She's in the UK and this episode we're back into Deuteronomy and we're going to be looking at chapters 7 through to 11 of this book. Sarah, great to be back with you. It's good to be here. Now before we get stuck into that massive chunk, Felicity, um, we've got a great question here. What lengths do you go to to get a quiet time, time with the Lord in, before your kids wake up? What does it look like for you? I mean, the key there is not waking up the kids, isn't it? Like mm. when we're talking about the lengths, we're talking about what you do <laughs> to ensure that your children don't wake up. <laughs> I find that I definitely do need a cup of tea with my uh, Bible time. So mm-hmm. I uh, boil the kettle downstairs in the basement. and oh, I, As I, in because that's out of earshot? Yeah, out of earshot. And I, I, make, I try and make sure I've got my cup out so there's none of the chinking and clinking mm-hmm. that's going to... Um, our kids sleep on the same floor as the kitchen, so it's problematic unless you do everything mm. <laughs> downstairs. Um, what about you? Yeah, I feel like I've um, I've I've honed where the creaking floorboards are, so I know <laughs> I know how to walk to the bathroom, or whatever, and have a quick shower beforehand. Um, what is what is harder work is when like I leave my Bible downstairs, but the rest of my you know my notebook or whatever is upstairs, and then I know I have to go downstairs, but the really, the floorboards really creak creak on the stairs, so oh you just yeah you know, I, exactly. yeah I I get it I get it, and it, basically it's thinking about it the night before, isn't it? Which I know. you know it's sometimes challenging, <laughs> but I uh, I find that it's better if I do get up out of my bed, which is a noisy thing because of floorboards and such like, mm. isn't it? So. always worth doing it as ever like it's always worth getting that time in isn't it and actually I'm at the point where my kids are a little bit older now so um sometimes they will already be awake and that's fine but they know that I'm not going to be disturbed until I kind of say breakfast time so um we're kind of getting into that nice routine where it's okay if they're awake even though I can even if I can hear them and I don't want to hear them yet (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like an agreement between everyone in the house they're just about old enough to make an agreement (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) mine are nearly there yeah covenant exactly (laughs) (laughs) not sure quite what's on each end yet but yeah anyway all right so we're going to get into um this big chunk of scripture uh as ever we're not going to read all of it but we are going to be talking through all of it um and the big the big kind of thrust of this part of Deuteronomy is God's extraordinary and lavish grace on his people um and I guess we just want to have that in the back of our minds as we hear you read uh, a bit of chapter nine for us Felicity just keep thinking about God's grace to his people okay so we're going to read chapter nine verses one through to twenty four Hear Israel, you are now about to cross the Jordan to go in and dispossess nations greater and stronger than you with large cities that have walls up to the sky. The people are strong and tall, Anakites. You know about them and have heard it said, who can stand up against the Anakites? But be assured today that the Lord your God is the one who goes across ahead of you like a devouring fire. He will destroy them. He will subdue them before you and you will drive them out and annihilate them quickly as the Lord has promised you. 
after the Lord your God has driven them out before you, do not say to yourself, the Lord has brought me here to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. No, it's on account of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is going to drive them out before you. It's not because of your righteousness or your integrity that you're going in to take possession of their lands. But on account of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God will drive them out before you to accomplish what he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Understand then that it's not because of your righteousness that the Lord your God is giving you this good land to possess, for you are a stiff-necked people. Remember this and never forget how you aroused the anger of the Lord your God in the wilderness. From the day you left Egypt until you arrived here, you've been rebellious against the Lord. At Horeb you aroused the Lord's wrath so that he was angry enough to destroy you. When I went up on the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant that the Lord had made with you, I stayed on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. I ate no bread and drank no water. The Lord gave me two stone tablets inscribed by the finger of God. On them were all the commandments the Lord proclaimed to you on the mountain out of the fire on the day of the assembly. At the end of the 40 days and 40 nights, the Lord gave me the two stone tablets, the tablets of the covenant. Then the Lord told me, go down from here at once because your people from whom you brought out of Egypt have become corrupt. They've turned away quickly from what I commanded them and have made an idol for themselves. And the Lord said to me, I've seen this people and they are stiff-necked people indeed. Let me alone so that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven and I will make you into a nation stronger and more numerous than they. So I turned and went down from the mountain while it was ablaze with fire and the two tablets of the covenant were in my hands. When I looked, I saw that you had sinned against the Lord your God. You had made for yourselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. You had turned aside quickly from the way that the Lord had commanded you. So I took the two tablets and threw them out of my hands, breaking them to pieces before your eyes. Then once again I fell prostrate before the Lord for forty days and forty nights. I ate no bread and drank no water because of all the sin you had committed, doing what was evil in the Lord's sight and so arousing his anger. I feared the anger and wrath of the Lord, for he was angry enough with you to destroy you. But again the Lord listened to me, and the Lord was angry enough with Aaron to destroy him. But at that time I prayed for Aaron too. Also, I took that sinful thing of yours, the calf you'd made, and burned it in the fire. Then I crushed it and ground it to powder as fine as dust and threw the dust into a stream that flowed down the mountain. You also made the Lord angry at Taborah, at Massa, at Kibroth Hatapha. And when the Lord sent you out from Kadesh Barnea, he said, Go up and take possession of the land I've given you. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You did not trust him or obey him. You've been rebellious against the Lord ever since I have known you. Whoa, what a, an indictment I know. it's huge isn't it but I think that sets the tone for this whole um kind of chunk that we've got in Deuteronomy because what we've got here is a really emotive part of scripture because it's talking about the driving out of other nations as this people enter the land we particularly get that in chapter seven and we get a little bit of that at the beginning of chapter nine here don't we and I think it's meant to it's meant to arouse those really strong emotions in us. This is this is this is big stuff that we're talking about and that's been described, but we have to see it in the context of the the people's hearts, the people of Israel, and how much they are like the nations around them with their own hearts, and therefore how big God's grace is. Would you say? Yes, I think that's right. And I think when we're reading the Bible, our emotional response is a right and a good thing. So it's not mm-hmm. to sort of shy away from that. It is shocking. But I think seeing it in that context of seeing that the people, this sinful people, stiff-necked people, I mean, that last statement is just huge. You've been rebellious mm-hmm. ever since I've known you. Yeah. And yet God is giving them this land. And yet 
God is keeping his covenant that he gave back to, back, back in the day to Abraham. Yeah. Um, so the steadfastness of God despite the people's sin. Yeah. That's that's actually the bigger shock here. Because the wickedness, we've seen all the way back in from the, from Genesis, we've seen that wickedness and choosing that which is not God, that yeah. leads to destruction. So in some ways, it's not a surprise that other nations who are worshipping a different God are heading for destruction. And the Anakites, we've yeah. heard about them previously. And what he's do- what what seems to be happening is a kind of a reversal of evil almost, doesn't it? As in like, would you say that, yeah, so, um, you know, the promised land and seeking to live the good life in the promised land that's just been presented for us in the chapters before, but actually to do that, you need to drive out the enemies and you need to completely wipe them out, it says, because their gods will be a snare to you. Um, you need to smash down all their idols, all their um, Asherah poles, burn everything, uh, for you are holy people to the Lord, it says in chapter 7, um, verse 6. And actually, you can't have both. You can't have both existing side by side. So you have to wipe out one in order for another to exist. But that's, as we've seen in this chapter here, in chapter 9, that is only by your grace. I think three times in the bit you read, it was it was not by your own righteousness, not <laughs> yeah. by your own righteousness. Like he's really laboring that point, isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I wonder whether it just, it's just worth um, just one more point on that with um, with the particular people group that they're wiping out. Um, if we go back to Genesis chapter 15, verse 16, um, we read, in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. This is a wicked, wicked people who back then were named as that. They have had hundreds of years to repent of their wickedness, and they have not done that. And this is God's righteous anger at a nation who are rightly deserving of judgment. Their wickedness was abhorrent in every way. Um, that doesn't mean that Israel having a one-upmanship, but it's just extraordinary grace that they've been chosen at all. Yeah. Um, even though this, it feels very hard to read. Yeah, and I think that that's not to diminish the horror of what's going on here, but seeing it in that context, um, I think helps. And I wonder whether in that we well, first of all, remembering that we have heard mention of the other nations, like God is giving this law, this word, mm-hmm. so that. It would be distinctive to those outside of this nation. So he yeah, is yeah attractive. He says attractive exactly, which is earlier on. Yeah, which sort of I think shows God's heart that he mm-hmm. is. He is, and we see that as the Bible kind of goes on, a salvation story opens out. We see this is being taken to the other nations. So it's not that this yeah. is it, destruction, and that's it. But also, all the more so, as God speaks to His people and gives them this word, which if they keep these commands. They will live well in the land. Mm-hmm. Actually, if they don't, if they're not obedient, if they're not listening to God, if they're not holding fast in that Deuteronomy kind of phrase, then actually you're heading towards destruction. It's a stark warning as well, isn't it? Yeah. I feel like it highlights all the more that this is an actual lifeline, a gracious, undeserved lifeline 
that's being given to this people who unbelievably he calls his treasured possession <laughs> when every yeah. description that Moses gives us suggests that they wouldn't be that that treasure like <laughs> it's so extraordinary isn't it take verse 10 chapter 10 verse 14 just it's extraordinary verse to the Lord your God belong the heavens even the highest heavens the earth and everything in it so everything is his yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors and loved them and he chose you, their descendants, above all the nations as it is today. And just that stream of grace. And what I love is that um, last week we were talking about the chapter six, kind of impress it on your children's hearts and kind of the importance of um, doing that for the generations to come. In chapter 11, we've got a similar thing um, where we got in verse 11, verse 18, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds and um, teach them to your children. And these words like in between those two sandwich points seem to be this kind of ex- just Moses expounding on grace, mm. expounding on every way in which the Lord has given them grace upon grace. And they've rejected it in so many ways, as we saw in our reading today. And yet he keeps his covenant. Yeah. And in that instruction to tell your kids, it's actually tell them of the grace. Like give them the grace, give them the word that is the gracious word of this gracious, loving God. And and isn't that interesting that then as you are given grace, then the response actually, as described all through Deuteronomy, should be to, well, we hear it, but we we get it back in um, 10 verse 12. Fear the Lord your God, walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands. And this, like hear and see the grace. And mm. respond with a fearing, but that's a kind of reverent awe, isn't it? Which then leads to obedience. And I think that's a really helpful thing just to connect that as saved, rescued people, this obedience is not in any way gaining salvation. It's not mm-hmm. It's not the means of rescue. But as rescued people, we then seek to be obedient. We strive to It's obey. the overflow, isn't it? It's the yeah. overflow. But it is. I do find it interesting the way the whole way through – it is a command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, isn't it? Like that's, you'd think that's just an overflow. <laughs> yeah. You'd think that would just be the natural response. But actually, no, no, he has to command it. And I think that's what's really struck me through this, actually. I And I need the same. I need mm. that same command to intentionally love the Lord as he's as we're talking about just even like intentionally wake up before my yeah. get that time in like actually that takes effort to, yeah, to prioritize yeah. that time and to Is put it... him first in my day like yeah. yeah absolutely and I think we hear that in verse 10 10 verse 16 don't we circumcise your hearts therefore and do not be stiff-necked any longer default position stiff-necked but mm. commanded to circumcise your hearts it essentially means engage your whole heart in loving the Lord doesn't it Yes, and that throws up a tension because later on in Deuteronomy, it's the Lord who circumcises hearts. And I think that probably, it it helps us to see that tension because we know, we know as we hear these commands, as we were saying last week, we say it again this week, I can't do it. I can't obey in this way. I know, I know that I really can't. Um, And so then, hooray for Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Is is that too early to just go hooray for Jesus? Like, how do we really drive this through the cross without just like tagging Jesus on the end? Yeah, I think that's right. That's that's a good question to ask because we don't want to flatten it. So you just jump straight to Jesus. I think there's, as we hear this command to circumcise our hearts, we know that that command is being given because we are the rescued people. Like to the people at the time, 
That's the reason that they're being commanded to circumcise their hearts in order that they might live this good life, live well mm. in the land. So as rescued people, the command is to be obedient. And then as people this side of the cross, and we hear this in Colossians 2, like again, we hear that it's through Christ that our hearts are circumcised. Mm-hmm. We know this side of the cross, we know that because of Jesus, by the Spirit's work, our hearts are circumcised. So we're more able to keep these commands, to be obedient. But the command to obedience is the same. So whether yeah. you're whether you're back in Deuteronomy time or you're here now, we as rescued people are to be obedient to this mighty, gracious God who is giving us words to obey. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's been a helpful kind of... Yeah, That no, that is helpful. And I guess the thrust of that obedience is always coming from the grace, the lavish grace that we have been given. And if at any point we find ourselves obeying out of duty rather than kind of motivated by this grace, then there's a there's a danger there is there yeah i think so and i think i think that's why then moses keeps on bringing the people back around to do you remember what happened in exodus do you remember do you remember who mm. god is do you remember who it is who's speaking as, as as soon as we disconnect the words from god i think that's yeah. where maybe duty comes in isn't it because it's just a, a slightly detached um and i think it yeah and i think it makes obedience then a chore doesn't it and then you're not you're less likely to want to do it because actually as we understand grace more and more, so we under so we long to live in light of that, don't we? Yeah, um, and it's relational. Need, yeah, but I need to keep praying that I would keep coming back to this lavish grace. Yeah, and that must be part of the big hit to our hearts, isn't it? That as we see the grace here, and we're amazed yeah. by it, so then it helps to point us forwards to the even greater grace we see through. Jesus dying on the cross for mm. us who are by default stiff-necked people. And because yeah. I think that's that's the danger, isn't it? We reason, we're like, man, these guys, they got it so wrong. <laughs> and Moses tells them again and again. Mm-hmm. But actually that is that is the direction that we're heading until God intervenes. And as new covenant people, we are then this treasured possession that he talks about here. Mm. And I guess that then drives our compassion for others that don't yet know this grace, doesn't it? Because we have no right to sit in arrogance in any way above them because we're humbled. Yes. This, this is like That's, a humbling series of chapters, yeah. isn't it? And isn't, yeah. But that that humility, that's the thing which makes us then point to God, isn't it? Rather than point to anyone's behaviour. Like yeah. If we're seeking to tell people about Jesus, we're not going to say, sort yourselves out before you come to God, but actually look at who God is, mm. and then and then consider what it is to to live for Him. That's really good, isn't it? It's really um really necessary. Mm. So I think that's what's been striking to me. It's really necessary, and I haven't really spent much time in Deuteronomy no, why before. Have we not done this before? <laughs> I know. Ah, oh, should yeah. I pray? Please do, Sarah. Father, we just thank you so much that these chapters are here. We thank you so much that we really need them. We need to see a fresh view of our own hearts and a fresh big view of your grace. And we just thank you that we live in light of your lavish grace poured out onto us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we just pray, Lord, please help us to live in light of your grace to us. In his precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Wow. Five chapters. Oh, Actually, I think that was six chapters, but uh, good counting. 
<laughs> um, but just come back next week because actually, Felicity, who have we got? We're, we've got a guest on next week and she's going to really help us. Um, if you're struggling to kind of track through Deuteronomy so far, who's going to help us to really kind of root it a bit more for us? Yes, we're excited to welcome Nancy Guthrie, um, who is well-versed in how you see Jesus through the Old Testament. And she's uh, a great Bible teacher. And we're really glad to have any help, to be honest, but especially <laughs> from Nancy. So do tune in next week um, for that. And why not uh, tell a friend about this podcast? Um, if it's been helpful to you, then grab a friend, get them listening, uh, get chatting with others. We always find our hearts are warmed by talking about it together. And we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Take care. Bye. We're so thankful for Kaleidoscope and 10 who are sponsoring this season.